You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I'm Bill Powers, and in today's show, I'm going to share some tips for new resource investors. This will include some key advice and points that I would want new resource investors to learn and know and be aware of as they embark in this high risk, high reward sector. I've had several conversations with people newer to the sector that have learned about it and can see the outsized profit potential, but they also need to be aware, of course, of the high risk and how quickly this sector can take your money. So with that in mind, the first tip is to have a multi-cycle outlook of success. This way, you're going to avoid some of the near-term mistakes you can make due to greed and the desire for quick gains. In fact, if you look at the current cycle, and I'm assuming we're in a gold and commodities bull market right now, but if you look at this cycle as your learning ground, school, so to speak, and you expect to make you know big bucks on the next cycle, that perspective alone, whether you make a lot and you hopefully you would outperform in this cycle and make more than you would want, but if you have that perspective, you're going to approach it like a student. You're not going to approach it once you get a little bit of success and you start thinking too highly of yourself or that you can uh, spot opportunities and know what you're doing a, maybe a little quicker than you actually, uh, than reality. It would prevent you from that because when I got into this sector, I was told it's going to take you 10 years to know what you're doing. And that's an excellent perspective because there's so many things to know, things to look for, things to look out for, discerning scams, uh, all the intricacies and things you'll never learn, even in a book, that you have to kind of learn just by experience. So if you understand, it's gonna take you 10 years to become a successful mining speculator. If you have that perspective, you'll look at this current cycle, up cycle, as a opportunity to learn and hopefully you can save up some more money. And more importantly, with the experience that you learn now, you'll be able to succeed because so much of commodities investing is catching it at a trough, a cycle bottom, and then selling it at a cycle high. And that's the opportunity that we're presented with as commodity investors. Number two, don't speculate with the rent money. Now, this is obvious uh, for anybody that has good money management skills, but because the draw of quick gains um, is so powerful in this sector, it can cause you to make bad decisions. And you don't want to speculate with the rent money, the mortgage money, the kids' tuition. Only use money that you can afford to lose when you're going to delve into this sector for the first time. It's better to make a small amount of money, profit, with a little money, but gain the knowledge that you can then use again to profit in the next cycle. Because if you're wrong, and you will be wrong on a lot of your trades, and if you bet big on a wrong trade, you can lose everything. So don't speculate with the rent money, only speculate with what you can afford to lose. Point number three, when you're giving your money to these early stage speculative small cap stocks, whether it's mining stocks or tech, whatever the sector is, you need to learn how to assess management's incentives and assess whether they're aligned with yours. You're going to make money if the share price rises. Will management be able to make money if the share price doesn't rise? 
What did they pay for their shares? Are they loaded up with a bunch of cheap shares? When you research these companies before you invest in it, go through the public documents, the circulars, uh, the prospectus that they filed when they IPO'd, see what management paid themselves. And you should also, when you're talking to them, ask them, what's your average cost basis? I've been approached in the last month by, I would say, about four or five companies that are IPOing. And of those that I talked to, my question is, okay, what did you pay for your shares? And one person told me I paid two pennies for my shares, but they're hoping to IPO 50 cents and above. So it's not an immediate turnoff, although it's not something I really want to see, even though they can't sell those shares for three and a half years. I want to say to myself, okay, what work did they do before they went public in order to earn those two cent shares? And yes, they have a high ownership, but if you only spend $10,000 to acquire millions of shares and $10,000 only gets me 20,000 shares, you know, that's not the, that's not going to turn me on to you right away. But there's other opportunities where I've been uh, approached by management through the Beaver Creek one-on-one system, Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit, where they arrange one-on-one meetings between management and investors. And there's been successful management teams who have their average cost basis is higher than what the shares are currently trading at. And that that is a, a very attractive investment because I can buy shares cheaper than what management can buy their shares for. So there's zero incentive for them to sell their shares and make profit if they don't make me profit. In fact, they're not going to make money unless they make me money. And you you don't want to see management also just loaded up on options. The the directors just give them a bunch of options, but they haven't put their own money up. I want to see them risk their money, not just their reputation, but their own money buying in the open market. And so those are some things you want to look for. You want to assess if management's incentives are aligned with yours. Fourth thing, when you invest or before you invest in a junior mining stock, you want to be able to clearly articulate three reasons why you're investing in the stock and the time frame needed to test and see whether they're going to be successful or not. Rick Rule talks about this as in these companies are essentially answering unanswered questions. So for example, with a mineral explorer, they have defined a target based on surface samples, geochem, geophysics, IP analysis, all these things that mineral exploration companies do to say, hey, we have a hunch, we have a theory that there could be a mineral deposit underneath the surface in this location because of all these signs we are seeing. So the unanswered question is, Is there really the mineralization under the surface that they're expecting? And to test that thesis, they need to raise money and then hire a driller and poke a hole in the ground and see what's there. And then, of course, the drill results are the answer to that question. Okay, so that would be a catalyst, hopefully positive if they come back and their thesis is right. But you need to articulate what are the catalysts? Obviously, a drill program is a potential catalyst. But there are there other catalysts? Is this company unknown? And just by the fact of people becoming aware of it, the share price is likely to go up. Are they going to embark on an institutional marketing program? And you would learn this from calling the company and asking them questions. Um, are they a developer that will soon be producing? 
That's obviously a catalyst. Are they a producer that is moving into a high-grade zone in their mind to where their production and therefore their profitability will be greatly increasing over the next six months to a year? Now, if you're following the story and if you know the story enough, you'll be able to articulate these things because so often you don't want to get swept up into just buying a stock because you saw it featured somewhere. You want to buy a stock and you want to know why you bought it. And every honest uh, CEO and management team that I've worked with that's been a sponsor of my show want people to understand why you would want to buy their stock, want people to understand the upcoming catalysts and the potential value creation, not just to buy the stock to buy the stock, because if you followed any penny stock sector, you don't want to be in a stock to where people buy it just because it was featured somewhere. Because that stock, after the, the first few weeks or even months wears off, people will sell the stock because they don't even understand what they bought. So understand what you bought and you know you understand what you bought if you can clearly articulate three reasons why you bought the stock and the time frame needed for them to accomplish those hopefully value creating milestones. The flip side of that is point five, clearly articulate three things that are most likely to go wrong. This deals with the risk side whether it's jurisdictional risk or production risk or management risk or they're low on cash and they need to finance and they could potentially dilute you out of your percentage of ownership of the company upcoming. You need to be able to articulate the three reasons why you're investing and quickly articulate the three things that are most likely to go wrong. And if you've spoken to management and you've called management You ask them this question, what's most likely to go wrong? And then the follow-up is always, and how do you plan to deal with it? And then you can ask them, what do you think the likelihood of one of these things or all three of these things are, is occurring? So you need to know what you bought and you can tell if you know what you bought, if you can articulate three reasons why you bought it and three reasons why things could go wrong. Next thing, point number six, uh, there's a lot of information in written and in uh, interview format, including on this show that's on the internet. And you need to decide what information sources you find useful. And even when you're presented with useful information, you always need to verify it for yourself. And a sub point of this would be that all the information you consume is bias in some way or another. Sometimes it's bias in a negative way, not just in a positive or promotional way. So you need to understand that when you have an, an analyst report, the way the industry works is a lot of times reports that I've read after I read the report, then I go back to the issuer's website who issued the report and I just see how they're compensated. Sometimes it's we write a report for $25,000. Sometimes it's we write a report for $50,000 and then they stress we're independent and the company after paying us has no sway over what we do or do not write. And Okay, you may there there may be a little bit of truth, but honestly, they're not going to get a lot of business if they don't say something at least mildly positive about the company and they won't get referrals. So they're biased or uh, a sell side broker that his his firm, his or her firm issues a report. Well, that report is out there in order to get people to buy the stock because they're selling the stock and they make their commission off of the stock or any everything uh, uh, sponsored based interviews it doesn't mean it's not useful but you should always be aware that 
Everybody is conflicted. So in that sense, you don't want to swallow something whole right away. You want to know what you're buying. You got to be able to say three reasons why you bought it, three main risks. Even a company we featured recently that has performed well in the market. I liked how one of the YouTube comments said that uh, it sounded good when you featured it, Bill, but uh, it ran up another 30% while I did my due diligence before I eventually bought it. And that's the perspective that you want to have. Even if a stock runs because it's featured, stop, do your due diligence. If after you do a little further due diligence and it looks good, then buy the stock. But decide what information sources you find useful. But even after you use those sources, always verify the information for yourself. Point number seven, learn how the odds are stacked against the retail investor. The retail investor is at a disadvantage to insiders, uh, people who know how to play the game, manipulate the game in terms of profiting off of these smaller, more illiquid stocks. Um, I've done several interviews, two of them with Warren Irwin, the fund manager, in which he's talked about his experience with the BREAX scam and the things, shady things that happens in Vancouver that maybe every retail investor is not aware of. I'm going to link to both of those interviews in the show notes below. Uh, my friend Jamie Keach of Resource Insider a, a couple years ago at VRIC did an excellent presentation pointing out uh, to many that didn't know how companies in the junior mining sector are launched in terms of founder shares issued for a fraction of a penny or a couple pennies and then seed shares and then pre-IPO shares and at each successive round of offerings the share price rises but by the time it gets to you as the retail investor and at IPOs perhaps it's not it's definitely not as attractive to you as it was to the people who are buying for a penny but you just need to be aware and you need to assess, again, is management aligned with you? And am I happy to buy shares at this price, knowing that a lot of shares were issued at lower prices? And when would those people be able to sell and potentially cash out without the company and management being able to make you money? So there's so many things to, to learn, but you want to constantly be learning how the odds are stacked against you as the retail investor so that you can weigh those risks and make better decisions. Number eight, you want to continually be inspiring yourself because things don't always go the way you would want it to go. So first off, you need to remind yourself why you're even in this sector. If it's like me, it's because you see the outsized profit potential, which is obvious. And you want to use that as a way to generate wealth and generate wealth a lot more quickly than simply buying Facebook or Amazon or Google, um, Netflix, these stocks. You can make 10, 20 baggers in a year or two. You can, uh, if you do private placements, if you're an accredited investor, if you have a win, you know, a 50 bagger is not outside the realm of possibility when you're issued warrants with your shares, if you buy before a discovery or a, a firm catalyst. So why are you doing what you're doing? You're obviously doing it to make money, but for me, it goes beyond that. It's I enjoy the freedom of not having to report to a boss. I enjoy the freedom of being able, that money affords to be able to do what I want with my life, such as invest in my family and my kids, give to charitable causes that I want. And so my desire and motivation is beyond just self-serving reasons, 
so that is the driving force behind what I do. But even with that, on a practical level for how I stay engaged and continually learning, I, I need to be refreshed of other success stories, whether that's talking to people and being inspired by their success of how they've achieved money or, or reading historical accounts of people that have been successful in this sector. And one book that I'll point out that um, was better than I anticipated that I read several years ago was Marin Katusa's book, Resource Market Millionaire. And this is uh, filled with a lot of good advice. And it's inspirational in that you can see and be reminded of the potential of profit that, that is available when you're, when you're um, successful. Now, his book essentially is a, a sales funnel to drive people to sign up for his services. You don't have to sign up for his services, of course, if, course, if you don't want to. But there was a lot of inspiration in that book. And the next point would be continually educate yourself. And uh, a book like Marin's, yes, there is educational value to it, but I would say it almost inspires more uh, than it educates in terms of how to really be successful and learn how to identify good investment opportunities in the resource space, early stage exploration opportunities in particular. And for that, you'd want to continually be educating yourself with a book called Mineral Exploration and Mining Essentials by Robert Stevens. Uh, now, Robert's been a past guest of the show, and this book was recommended to me actually in the PDAC bookstore several years ago by a, a CFO who had just joined a cobalt company, and we were standing there looking at books, and I had this one in my hand, Robert's book in my hand, and he said, that's an excellent book. He said, I'm not from the mining industry, but I had to learn because I'm a CFO of this company now, and he said, this was the best book that I read to really understand you know, the basics of geology, how mineral exploration and development works. And so I bought it, I think it was $90 or something like that. Well worth it. If you're going to invest any amount of money in this sector, you want to invest in yourself. And uh, I agree with him. This is when people ask me, what's the first book I should start with? In terms of actually learning, it would be this book. There's other good books, of course, as well. And then in terms of inspiration, it would be Marin's book. And my last point would be point number 10, and that is don't confuse a bull market with brains. I'm not the creator of this saying, of course, it's a, it's a Rick Ruleism, but it's so good because if you have success, especially as I'm advising to take a multi-cycle outlook, if you have success, don't confuse all of your success with your brains or even your, uh, your hard effort trying to find opportunities. You can take a little credit, but just don't take too much credit because as soon as you get a little puffed up, you can, uh, you can fall quite quickly or make a bad decision. And even after you perhaps have had some success and maybe a little bit of luck helped get you there and your stock brokerage account is quite swollen and inflated in price relative to what it was when you started, be careful. You can lose that money just as quickly as you gained it. So always be aware. Don't confuse a bull market with brains. I've had some people that I know that made a lot of money very quickly in the last month because of some of the AMC and GME pumps from the Reddit crowd. 
They had call long-term call options before it was pushed up, and those call options became worth a lot of money very quickly. So when you come upon a lot of money very quickly, unexpectedly, yes, you may have been right in your call, but don't let it go to your head. Stay humble. And finally, as I conclude this monologue, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Uh, My sincere appreciations. We're now in the fifth year of this show, and so I appreciate all of your listenership. Uh, Many of you have reached out, sent notes or emails, and I do want to say that uh, I apologize. I just cannot respond to every email. There's not enough time in the day with family and business requirements and such, but I do respond to some. But if I don't respond, please don't be offended. I do read them and I do appreciate it. And one email that I've received uh, from a listener recently, actually it was a few months ago, in addition to his note, he passed along a song that he wrote. It may not be the finished product, but he wrote, Bill, I wanted to pass this song along to you. While not a country artist by any means, I did make a choice to go full country. It is about the dangers of prospecting for gold. Not finished, but I hope you dig it. Thanks so much. And I'm going to conclude this show with this song from a one mining stock education listener. Thanks for tuning in. I wish you the best of success and be blessed with this final song. Fixing grass and leaves of poison along the way. Watch your footing, cause it sure gets steep. Slip, it won't be a mistake, you'll repeat. That snow melt stream gon' drown you up in cold. But up the hill to higher ground, there's pocket gold just waiting to be found along the way. Look out for tracks of those mountain cats that put you in the food chain. The bad ones, cubs get old. But they might be gold, they might be gold. But you never really know until you get a little in the hole. They might be gold, they might be gold. But until you hit bedrock, Bobby never really know. Play it, Earl.
really my digging's done I'm gonna give this gold here to my son I'm gonna lay my shovel down and float away Streets of gold, gates of pearl Forty virgins, oh my world St. Peter made me copies of the key There might be gold, there might be gold But you never really know it till you get a little in the hole There might be gold, there might be gold But until you hit bad rock bottom, never really know be gold, there might be gold, but you never really know it till you get a little in the hole. There might be gold, there might be gold, but until you hit bedrock bottom, never really know. No, you never really know.